Do you think that General Patton was woke? I don't think so. What do you think, Mike? Mike, was he woke? I don't think so. I don't think he was too woke. He was the exact opposite. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 77, titled January 1st, 2008. Don't worry, we'll get into it. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Let's just kick it off right away. 38-24 and 24 on the year. Two out of four last week. Kind of got hosed in one game, but that's okay. We'll recap last week's picks. We'll get into the new picks coming up. And play of the decade. You heard me. Florida has the lowest infection rate. Vermont has the highest infection rate. We'll talk about why that is. Joe Biden's recent lesson on economics was hilarious, but not nearly as funny as the departure of Chris Cuomo, who's still getting paid by CNN. Magically, they still pay a guy that jerked off on a Zoom call, so why would they get rid of Chris Cuomo, right? Alec Baldwin has lost his mind. Stephanopoulos is even worse. I mean, I have to talk about these things. And we'll touch base on a little bit of the NFL tonight. Saints played Cowboys. It looks like, man, we're missing Ramchek. Armstead and Kamara. That is not good. Uh, if you saw this, <laughs> Taysom Hill is going to get the start. And I mean, without those three, that is basically 50% of the offense. Don't know about uh, the Saints tonight. Yikes. Anyway, the NFL is a dumpster fire anyway. Who cares? Thanks for joining us today on episode 77, January 1st, 2008. Reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the sports antidote. Go find one person. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell someone about the sports antidote. We grow this thing organically, and that's how it's been growing. That's how we do it on Instagram. Follow us at the sports antidote. And if you're bored, follow me at Danny underscore belts with a Z. Most of the posts go through the main Instagram feed, however. So, a lot going on in Belts' life right now. Not going to be the easiest of episodes, but we're going to get through it. So, we have Bench and Bro Exotic coming on. They're going to be, <laughs> that's two pretty, pretty funny topics. I think you'll enjoy both, particularly the bro exotics, who's just no shortage on uh, <laughs> comedic value with this guy. <clears throat> so right now, you notice they were bashing DeSantis the longest time, the current governor of Florida, bashing him for um, the fact that he wasn't locking anything down, wasn't masking, and businesses were able to stay open. Of course, this is like the American dream, right? This guy's like staying in the way of all the evil, Whereas we see all the major cities that there were lockdowns and mass mandates had the same infection rate as the states that didn't particularly. South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Florida, and Texas in no order. Those would be the reddest states during COVID, even more so than Mississippi and Alabama. Yet the, same, the deaths per hundred or per thousand are nearly the same. It's ridiculous. And right now, notice how the media has taken a hard left. No one's talking about Florida's low infection rate, lowest infection rate in the country as we talk about more mandates and shutdowns who is the real like honestly who's the real fucking fascist here i mean did you understand what a fascist is if you don't go google it or buy a dictionary look it up unbelievable not saying anything you don't know there i just had to vent a little bit we're not even talking about it natural immunity we're not even looking into it they asked fauci about it what did he say yeah we need to look into that yeah we do doc what are, where's the stats for guys like me? Had COVID, have been exposed to COVID several times since then, unvaccinated, have not got reinfected. 
Where's the stats on that? We don't have them. Shocker. Not having them. Shit. You're not having anything. <laughs> Did you have a chance to listen to Joe Biden get up there and say, again, that this spending atrocity that's about to happen, hopefully not, is already paid for. He said it again. Again, already paid for. You, you don't. <laughs> you can't explain that to a third grader. Already paid for? No, no, we're going to pay for it. And furthermore, said, this is the best part, that during this egregious spending that we're about to take place, and hopefully not, but probably so, it's going to lower inflation. You can't... (laughs) Can we go get Ben Bernanke on the phone or Alan Greenspan and ask them how they feel about that? Put them on a lie detector if they want to get woke? (laughs) It's going to spike inflation through the moon. I went to a culinary school and I'll tell you that. This is insane. You wonder why this guy's approval rating is 36%. They just polled all the battleground states did Rasmussen recently. By the way, Rasmussen, extremely accurate poll. The only one that showed Trump within the margin of error during the Hillary Clinton thing, that whole campaign. And clearly Rasmussen was right. Was also right about Virginia and New Jersey in the recent offset governor's elections. Uh, And right now Trump leads by double digits in Arizona, Wisconsin, basically Michigan. He's like 15 points. If the election was now, he'd win all these states. And he's going, I don't know who's going to run, but whoever whoever runs as a Republican, the table is set. Wait for these midterms in a year. About to get a real job now, bitch. Get in the private sector. That ass is gone. Cuomo's departure is just beautiful. If you didn't know... The entire time we've been, I have, I'm on a text string called Cuomo is no mo. And now it's both Cuomo is no mo, which is hilarious. So you have the rapist governor basically and his asshole brother, who's the main drag on CNN, who now we find out has basically, it's not that he helped him. It's not the conflict of interest that I actually have a problem with. Because if I was a host on CNN or Fox and my brother was the governor and he pulled this shenanigan, I'd do everything in my power to help him out as well. I would just do that. That's just, I don't blame him for that at all. What I'm, what, what should be is the, he should be prosecuted for the bringing up, finding the accusers' names and then finding dirt on them, harassing them, threatening them. These women, these sexual victims, that's how you, that's how the liberals roll at CNN. You see, you see the blatant hypocrisy. You see this insanity. All right. You know, O'Reilly fucked around on Fox a little bit. He got, got camped. Fire, all right? Dan Rather reported incorrect news during Bush's campaign versus Kerry about his military records in the National Guard, and it was incorrect, and he resigned. Why is it these people now can just say and do whatever they want, and even when it's reported, they don't have to leave? He's suspended indefinitely with pay. You're still employed Tubin, who whipped out his dick and jerked off in front of several people, which is a sexual crime, sexual assault, basically. And nothing happened. He got suspended for a few months. This is insane. This is nuts. That's absolutely ridiculous. Belts, you sound pretty fired. I mean, I am. A lot of reasons. Baldwin must have been fired up. How about that? Did anybody catch his Stephanopoulos thing recently? How piss poor of an interview is that? You finally get this guy on. He killed somebody, albeit involuntary. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? And then he goes on to say he didn't pull the trigger. I didn't pull the trigger. And we're pumping this news out? Am I taking crazy pills? Am I doing lines of crazy pills? You pulled the trigger. Cocksucker, by the way. And by the way, he should go to jail. 
He should. Now we're finding out a lot about this. Oh, yeah. He didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Okay. I was the second gunman on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> you can't make it up. You just can't. Recap. Uh, recap last week. What do you say? Last week could have went our way. Things got a little hairy, but it's never good to lose your first game. Albeit we're on quite the run, 38-24, and 3-1 and one in futures to date. Uh, we started off with Old Miss Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl, a game I have not missed my entire life. This game did not disappoint, but in the first half, man, when you have a total up there in the 60s, you just cannot not settle for field goals in the red zone, and that happened way too often. The second half was a borderline explosion of scoring, but it was too little too late, so we did take an L on a game that had about 1,000 yards of offense, which is very insane. And I, I just took the bait with Liberty, who got ran out the gym by Army. Man, I, <clears throat> oh, that was gross. I really like that game for a 1,000 reasons. Um, just the opening line, the way I go about things, but boy, I could not have been more wrong. His Army just dumpster-fired them real quick. In a blowout, lost the first two. And then we come back with the LSU Tigers, who came through with a crazy ending. If you didn't see the Tigers end the season, send Coach O out. Uh, like, uh, you know, send them off, as they say. Dance with the one you came with, baby. They, 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 they stayed with them to the end of the year. They, they played tough down the stretch. I'll give them that. They should have beat Alabama and Arkansas, or at least one of the two. Probably should have ended the season ranked. But now they'll have a chance to play in a bowl game, and they'll play some team, and they'll get something or other, and LSU will cock. Yes, they'll cock. We all know. And lastly, North Carolina, who came through for us again, should have won the game, but covered. That game was that was a hell of a football game, UNC, NC State. Uh, and we will take two and four. We haven't had a losing week now in a very long time. And we'll take two and four, I guess. It could be a lot worse. You know, you're not going to win any units there. But I think we have a great slate this week, and we have the play of the decade. So what can go wrong there, right? <laughs> so let's put that aside. Let's get to the title of this mother, huh? January 1st, 2008. Belts, what happened on January 1st, 2008? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you axed. I'll tell you why. January 1st, 2008. Let's back it up. December 29th, 2007. Danny Belts was down a lot with the book. I was in Florida. There's people listening to this now that I worked with in Florida, post-Katrina at the Bonita Bay Country Club. Shout out to my Bonita Bay brethren, particularly Roddy Bush. Did you know about a Roddy Bush? Put that over he. Some crazy inside jokes there. Anyway, so in this instance, Belts was down with the South Carolina book about four grand. And this dude... Uh, actually is a guy I used to have encounters with in South Carolina and Charleston. And he, when I started playing with him again, he made me take like a picture of my license and send it to him. So he knew where I lived in Florida and this dude was not messing around. He wanted to see like a picture of cor- corresponding mail. His dude was not one that you effed around on at all. This is a very scary man. I know firsthand. I used to work for him kind of. <laughs> anyway, I was down and this is not good. Not good at all. And then... On New Year's, then the next day I lost, then I just kept losing, and then all of a sudden on January 1st, 2008, Danny Belts is down approximately $6,750 on the nose. $6,750. Now at 24 years old, I mean, that's not exactly a, 
it's kind of insurmountable. I mean, I'm waiting tables, you know, I'm making, I'm doing okay, but yeah, I don't have that money. So of course, I lie to the bookie like everyone does and say, of course I have it. You think I'd mess around with you, bro, and all this? He's like, all right, man, well, I need you to settle up. I was like, after the first. He's like, okay, fine. And I said, there's a game that I want to play, if you don't mind, and I'll just, I'm going to put five on it. I got five on it, and I don't mean 500. And somehow he was crazy enough to take that bet. I figured, I can't pay him anyway. What's the difference between 11-something thousand, 60-something hundred? Like, who cares, right? It's not the right mentality to have, but Danny Belts is not the sharpest tool in the shed by a long shot. Anyway, so I remember looking at this game and just looking at it and staring at it for days and days. Even before I got myself in the hole, I just had already proclaimed this the lock of the century. The degenerate gambler would certainly know about it, but even the casual college football uh, observer would remember this game. It took place in New Orleans. 7.30 7.30 Eastern Time kickoff, Central Standard Time kickoff in the Louisiana Superdome at the time. Hawaii would be kicking off to Georgia. Hawaii 12-0, ranked number 10. One of the largest margins of victory in the history of college football in the regular season. Breaking offensive records like a bull in a china shop. Headed by Colt Brennan. One of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. The late Colt Brennan. June Jones dialing up the plays in the back. Hawaii was a force to reckon with beyond measure. Things have changed in Hawaii. But this was the year of, this was their year. The first, the first non-P5 school to go to a major bowl outside of when Utah played Alabama. But this is, this is, this is the, the, the Mountain West. I mean, this is, no, excuse me, the WAC, the old Western, the, the WAC conference. It's not even there anymore. No one had ever been to any bowl like this. It was a, there was all kinds of history happening everywhere. Georgia had just got their ass kicked to get their second loss in the SEC championship. And the line opened up at seven and it just stayed there. And everyone I knew, every single person I knew, every monkey in the zoo, everyone imaginable was like, Hawaii's getting seven points? What? Public dog, eh, eh, run. Publicest dog I've ever seen since Michigan State two weeks ago. Ohio State's still scoring on them somehow. Touchdown, Ohio State. Wow, 72 to 10. Anyway. And I just remember making that bet, knowing I can't pay it, but then really getting brazen. After I made the $5,000 bet that didn't have any of that money, I found another guy in Florida and put five in with him and got somebody I met in a bar to vouch for me because he was drunk. I didn't plan on paying him either because I didn't have the money. So now I'm in double jeopardy. I'm in with one guy who I don't know anything about. He could be a murderous nut job. And another guy who I know is a murderous nut job, basically. So, and they know where I live. So really, this was it. I was in Orlando when this game kicked. I just watched Florida get the shit kicked out of them by Michigan. When Tebow is in between year, then they came back and won the Natty the next year. It was Chad Henney's senior year, Joey Hart at running back from Michigan. Pretty good team. That's the same year that Michigan also opened up losing to Appalachian State at home. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Suck it, Joey. Michigan sucks. <laughs> Another inside joke. Anyway, and so do you, by the way. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> tripped down memory lane. So in this instance, I just saw something that was inevitable. There is no way. Georgia's number three defense is, 
They were trying to make the narrative that Georgia's defense is three, Hawaii's number one. I'm like, versus who? Utah State? Georgia's a 10-win team in the SEC. It's not exactly anything light. They're a really good football team. Like, really good. And they played. And I tell you, if you looked at the box score for that game, you would be befuddled and think that you lost. Hawaii had 306 yards. Georgia only had 335. Matt Stafford didn't even throw for 200 yards. No, Sean Marino didn't even run for 80. If you looked at the box score, you'd say, this looks like a shitty game that Georgia may have won, but no way they're covering. At least that's what you'd look at the numbers. But the reason I bet this game wasn't because of the defensive capabilities on one side, more or less, or the offensive capabilities on the other side, or fading Hawaii or betting for Georgia. Georgia had broke the record that year for forcing turnovers, and they were really good at it. I think it's been broken since then. But they had forced a ridiculous amount of turnovers. And I just thought that would continue. And nobody thought I was right. Well, I couldn't have been more right for once. Georgia broke the bowl record as they turned over Hawaii eight times. Eight. Three interceptions from Colt Brennan. He got benched. Then an inter- he got hurt. Then his backup threw a pick. In between that, there was four fumbles. Georgia recovered all of them. And they pounded this team to the Stone Age. 41-10. to 10. It was never in jeopardy. Georgia scored first. Hawaii kicked a field goal. That's the closest this game got was 7-3. to three. And then the wheels fell off real quick. And I remember that drive they had, I vividly remember, they had to pull out every goose in the, pull out every trick in the bag just to get down the field to get in field goal range. And it was like a 50-yard field goal. And they went nuts. Like I was like, what? You just did six flea flickers and then end around. What? Georgia's going to pound your ass. And of course they just did. January 1st, 2008 was technically the biggest bet of my life until Tulane played Memphis a couple years or last year. We talked about that, have all the pictures on Instagram. I was able to pay the bookie with someone else's money and then keep whatever I had left, which I'm sure I spent on wine, woman, and song per usual. But I remember that vividly. I haven't really seen a game like that since then. Man, you know, I've a scouring games time after time. The only one other game I looked at in my life that was comparable was when the Bobcats at the time went out and played the Warriors when they were on that crazy streak four years ago. They won like, they're going for like the all-time streak record. And the Bobcats took them to triple overtime and lost in like the last second. And then they had to turn around and go play the Hawks the next day who were the best team in the East record-wise. The line opened up at seven. It closed at 13. That game was over in the first quarter. That's the only other time where I felt the Hawks beat them by 70 points. It's the only other time I've ever looked at one and said, yeah, but I didn't bet that game, but I had the same feeling. I have the same feeling coming up as I did Georgia, that basketball game, this weekend. And it should be absolutely no shock where we're going here. We're going to the well. Dance with the one you came with. I said earlier, we're going to do, God damn it, we're doing it. We opened up the season with him. Been talking about him all season. Just made the mistake of not betting him every week like we should have been. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers are going to go play Texas San Antonio in the Conference USA Championship in San Antonio. In their first meeting, it was the highest scoring game of the year in college football. It cracked 100 points rather easily. Zappy went nuts. Their quarterback went nuts. Martin, sincere, ran all over him. 56 49, something like that. It was insane. But since then, these teams have gone in two different directions. Western Kentucky, 
That's the last game they lost. I was in Boston. Shout out to Boston Dan. What's up, partner? Oh, sorry. October 9th is when that game happened, and it was an amazing football game, but that's not going to happen again. UTSA has fallen off big time. Almost losing at home to Southern Miss. Losing to barely beating um, UAB and then just getting obliterated by North Texas and to the point where they benched everybody. UTSA benched their entire team and they just got smoked in the second half. It was a jump. It's like they wanted to lose the game. (laughs) What a bad spot for them right now because in comes Western Kentucky who has not lost a game since then, who has not yet scored under 40 points a game since then. Coming off another mashing as they went into Marshall and inserted their penis inside of them. And then went back and forth. And impregnated them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just an offensive rampage in the second half. This is no normal football team. Now, they have one of the youngest offensive coordinators in the country in Zach Kitley. We've been talking about him. He came from Houston Baptist with everyone else, with the whole crew. They give Zappy complete autonomy. My boy Rick Shaw, shout out Rick Shaw, saw that Bailey leads the nation in checkdowns. He checks down over 50% of these plays. This is not a normal situation. For a college quarterback to have this type of autonomy is unheard of. Unheard of. It's unpre- it really is unprecedented. I don't care what system you're in. You don't let kids audible out in college. Typically, the no. I mean, it happens, but not over half the time. Ridiculously high football IQ on both, both of them. This offense is not what people think it is. They put up 500 yards and 30-something points on Michigan State. That was out of a pro-style offense. They were not garbage points. They racked up a shit ton of good old-fashioned yardage on a Big Ten team that at one point was ranked in the top four. It's not a gimmick. It's not an RPO. All right? It, this is a straight... Offense, this is, it, it's, it's quote-unquote pro-style, more of a run-and-shoot. But you need to keep up with these guys. They lead the nation in everything. Zappi leads the nation in touchdowns, yards. He's third in completion percentage at 70%. They lead the nation in big plays. They have 20 touchdowns over 50 yards. 20 touchdowns over 50 yards. They have five over 80. One of them was versus the Army. To the fastest guy on the field, Jared Stearns. Another transfer from Houston Baptist who just simply runs past everybody. In the Michigan State game, they isolated him. They split. They trips, trips left. He split out wide to the other side of the field. And he is on an island with that cornerback who's gonna, who they're saying is a first round. I forgot who he is. A first round pick. I should have that in my notes. I don't. Sorry. The only thing between him and there is that safety because Michigan State plays a base 4-3, two off the ball. This dude just runs past this cornerback, Jared Stearns. He just runs by him. He tries to, the, they tried to bump and run him, and he just says, no, psych, runs right by him. Then the safety, he's like, oh, shit. He comes over. The ball's already in the air. Zappy let this thing go two seconds ago. He just runs right by the safety. The ball hits him in the chin strap, and he moonwalks into the end zone. They called it back for some bullshit holding call on a receiver on the other side of the field. The minute I saw that, I just knew this team is special. You don't just roll in here and have these big plays. Like, you don't do that when you're a smaller school. The offense is Probably the best functioning unit in the country. If Zappi played for Georgia, they'd be better. I'm going to say this too. He's better than Bryce Young. He is. If he played for Alabama, they'd be better. 
No matter what person, what team you put this kid on, they are better. Full stop, period. End of story. I've seen enough. No one is stopping this offense. The only thing stopping this offense is a fucking plane crash. Knock on wood. That's it. Not COVID, not anything other than somebody losing a leg, particularly Zappy. Not happening. They're going to roll in there and run them out the gym. Out of the gym. They won't punt twice. Not twice. Now, they usually start off pretty slow. That's their thing. They might start off slow here. I don't know. Lately, they've been getting it going pretty early. Started off slow versus Marshall and then hung half a hundred in the second half. This is a real thing. January 1st, 2008. I knew it. I know what's going to happen here. They're going to score relentlessly on this team. They're going to hang 60. Take any prop you can. Fuck it. Take the over. Zappy's throwing for 500 yards last eight games. What makes you think he's not going to do this now? They have no answer for lesser offenses. Western Kentucky would score 20-something points on most of the teams in the SEC. I'm serious. They beat South Carolina. They beat a lot of teams. They beat four or five teams in the SEC. Easily. Easily. I mean, fuck Florida. I mean, what, what, if Sanford goes in there and drops 63, Western Kentucky goes in there and drops, I don't know, 100? The line opened up at Western Kentucky being a short dog at one. Since swung three and a half. We got it on the Instagram page at minus 135. You are in a pickle now. Now it's at three and a half. Three at some places. If you're going to lay the even three, go ahead. That's typically a safe thing. Anything under three, we always take the money line. It's just like in blackjack. We do the same thing every time. Well, in this instance, we do the same thing every time. But we got it when it was one and a half. At minus 135, minus 130 right in there. Biggest bet of my life. And others I know have, there's a couple people I know that have some ludicrous money on this game. And there's a reason why the line keeps creeping up. I'm not the only one that knows this. Shit, I guarantee you Texas San Antonio's coach knows it. You think he's looking forward to this? Shit. (laughs) You want to talk about air raid? If you have not watched this team play yet, I challenge you. Tomorrow night, watch Western Kentucky roll into Texas and send this team to the fucking Stone Age. I'm telling you. Massacre. Massacre. Play of the decade. It's the play of the podcast since I've been doing this. And I'm pretty good. Last I checked. My money's where my mouth is. Other people's are. You should too. Hammer your bookie on this one. They don't have a chance to stop this offense. They didn't. Weeks ago, Western Kentucky's defense is a light year better than when they played Texas San Antonio October 9th. If the season started Friday, Western Kentucky very well beat Michigan State when they go back to Sparty. I'm serious. They should have beat Indiana. Not that that's saying much. But they, they, they just would trash every team. They're so much better than every team in their own conference. You rarely see this. They're like the Alabama of the Conference USA, except for one brain fart versus UTSA. They just mash everybody. <laughs> it's, not supposed to, it's not really how it works. You don't just mash teams by 60. I'm telling you right now, jump on this. There is no difference between this and the Georgia game. Zero. There's a few other games I like, so we have a pretty decent slate today. Let's just, uh, let's just jump right into it. I got to... Gotta get moving, it's late. 
So many games to choose from in conference championships. Actually, there's not, which makes it crazy because now it's like the NFL playoffs. As games consolidate and condense, you get more action on fewer games, which really isn't my thing. But I'll be damned if we don't come out swinging on a few of these. So let's start off with my boy Rick Shaw, one of my favorite people in the world. I won't hear from him once the Super Bowl ends to the begin to like the summer. I won't even hear from the guy until college football season comes. But whatever, it's always a good time. And Rick Shaw makes a really good point. He doesn't understand how UGA Bama goes over in the first half, and neither do I. With the amount of injuries Alabama has on that line, there is absolutely no way this will be some sort of engagement and shootout. Alabama's defense most definitely will be stepping up on this one. It could get hairy late, but early on, we think it's going to be tight. So let's kick it off with what play for... Here we are, episode 77. UGA Bama under 24 and a half. First half. Play number one. Play number two. Very simple. Nobody can beat Cincinnati in the American Conference. Cincinnati's untouchable. Ah, no. We are all about Houston. We're taking them at 10 and a half. Houston, right now, again, if the season started today, they might be the best team in this con. I don't know. Houston has not lost a football game in quite some time. And I tell you what, Hogerson's done a good job. I love Nick Toon. He's kind of dicey, but he's got the big arm. He got the Houston has the big play potential. Some big athletes. This is way too many points. So give me Houston. Plus the ten and a half. Iowa has no chance versus Michigan, right? What a bad spot for Michigan. They have the biggest win in school history nearly. You finally beat Ohio State, and you get stuck with Iowa. Who would not be excited to play them? Iowa is great at one thing, spoiling your dreams no matter what. If you bet on them, they lose, and when you play against them, they beat you. They are great at this. They're going to deny the Big Ten an entrance into the playoffs for the first time. In 20-something years, other than Ohio State, no team from this conference has gone to a championship game, much less the playoffs. And they probably won't come in this weekend because Iowa's probably going to win the game outright. That's right. But we'll take the 11 points. You know the rules. We don't bet a dog. Less what? Less we think. They can win. We'll take Iowa plus the 11. And it's just no surprise what play four is, right, bitch? What's that? You know what it is, bitch. Western Kentucky minus whatever. We're not laying any points, but if you have to take the three, take the three. Minus 130, 140, 150. Who gives a shit? Just take them to win the game. They are not losing this football game. You can sign your net. You can book that right now all the way to the police station for what I care. Quick recap. Houston plus the 10 and a half. The Hawkeyes of Iowa plus the 11. UGA Bama first half under 24 and a half. And that's going to drop under 24 before that game kicks. And our team all year, the future's winner. 3-0 with him. Don't know how to lose when we bet him. Western Kentucky Hilltoppers backed by Bailey Zappi, a.k.a. Blake Zappi. Minus the 135. Get on it. Last week, as you remember, we had all the inductees. For white bitch of the year, one of the most difficult, difficult things I've ever had to do was put that list together. Um, I mean, you have no idea. We have limited it down now to five. Uh, it took some doing. There's going to be some, I can't believe this person didn't make the cut or did make the cut. I'm not sure. But we have our 
We have our five. We really do. And it's not necessarily five, but it's five different entities. So let's just start off with the biggest cuck on the planet. French Laundry's finest, Gavin Newsom! <laughs> and from a country I still don't know where it's from, Switzerland or Sweden or Switzerland or whatever the fuck, don't even know. Swiss Family Robertson, whatever, Greta Thunberg! How dare you! And after the recent actions with the Cuomos, it's a no-brainer. Chris and Anthony Cuomo! Hollywood's finest, one of the biggest hypocrites. He made the cut. It was close. Liz Cheney almost took him, but he's going to find his way at the dinner. Leo DiCaprio! And finally, this one, a no-brainer. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I, I do it to save time, but we're rolling with it. The entire Biden cabinet! We'll see you guys at the dinner, bitches. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic jumping back on the sports channel. What's going on, pal? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, second command of Cal, Church of Woke, Woke Cardinal. What's going on, dude? Sick. Dude, I mean, you tell me. I mean, there is a lot going on now, and why don't you go ahead and roll us down this road because you explained it to me yesterday, and it was so woke. You Actually, you woke me up. I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's go ahead and hear about it. Well, dude, we uh, we obviously had, um, we had a rough couple weeks here, man. You know, we yes. had that tragedy up in wisconsin dude with uh 60 plus people getting injured and um about half a dozen people died um i gotta tell you this maga red suv we gotta prosecute the hell out of this thing dude because it it really put a massacre on this town uh they're trying to do this peaceful like parade have a nice little family gathering and this this republican maga red suv just wreaks havoc it kills people, puts 60 plus in the hospital, dude. I'm not having it, dude. And that's not it. I mean, that's not, that's not even scratching the surface, dude. All right. Like Alec Baldwin even said the other day on George Stephanopoulos and ABC, he didn't pull the trigger. He did not kill <laughs> Helena Hutchins. All right. He didn't do it. It was that white <laughs> pistol that killed her. So that's what's happening, dude. We have MAGA Republican red SUVs killing people. We have white prop gun pistols. We need to we need to prosecute the prop gun, dude. All right. So we have global warming machines killing people and putting people in hospitals, and we have uh, white supremacist prop guns killing uh, uh, killing assistants on on movie sets. Uh, like, what what are we to do, dude? I mean, like. What, we had just have uh, another, uh, I, I don't know what to say, dude, you know, uh, just global warming killers and just, <laughs> I don't know, bro. I'm so hot right now, dude, like, I, I can't stand all it. Right. Calm down, calm down, bro. And, and they're trying to pin it all on Alec Baldwin, like he had anything to do with it. He said he didn't pull the trigger, dude. It was obviously the white pistol that pulled itself. 
He said he would never put a gun to anyone's head. The white pistol put itself against the woman's head with Alec Baldwin's hand on it. It's obvious. It's what he said. It's what happened. All right. See, so like, I'm not having this. Why is he going to jail for this, dude? Why are we not prosecuting the prop gun? Uh, this is absolutely this absurd. Run this with the wrong people on the stand. Okay, bro, can you hear me? I can hear you, dude. All right, bro, can we run this back? You are proclaiming right now that the pistol killed this person, not Baldwin, and then you're... Are we, is the church awoke taking the position of the vehicle via the person? Did I hear that? Just let Did the know. vehicle? Okay. Let our listeners uh, know. Let the listeners know. Please, go ahead. Okay. Who killed half a dozen people and sent 60 plus people to the hospital? Was it the man yes. who drove it? A crazy a person of color, person. by the way. Crazy black uh, person. First of all, Black Lives Matter. Do not uh, put that man on the stand. He didn't kill anybody. The SUV did. And it was what? red. And that is the, uh, the color of the Republican Party. Thank you very much. Uh, did Alec Baldwin pull the trigger? No, he didn't. It was the white racist prop gun that did it. He would never put a gun to anyone's head. That's what he said. That's what he told George Stephanopoulos, dude. I don't know. Did you hear it? Are you cultured? But how's the Church of Woke stand on this? Are they... <laughs> They're right on board with me, dude. Okay. Global guys... warming machine kills people and we need to revoke the Second Amendment because a prop gun killed somebody by itself. It wasn't Alec Baldwin, all right? So global warming, Second Amendment, case closed, dude. We got to shut down SUV SUV production. We got to stop <laughs> gun production. We got to stop it all, dude. Oh, God. oh bro, you are the best. Second Amendment, <laughs> shut it all down. Yeah, dude, I mean, shut it down, man. Yeah, exactly. Bro, I have to be honest with you. You are the most amazing guest to ever frequent this show because personally I think you're insane but yet right now you sound very normal very sane yeah dude well you know if uh if Alec Baldwin could produce bullets out of his finger uh you know maybe you'd have a case there but uh unless you can prove that I mean a prop gun clearly killed that woman uh yeah. Hutchins. And he I had nothing it. to do with it. I, you know, so it's it's all on you, dude. The yeah, onus well. of evidence is on you, and I just pr- pr- uh, produce all mine. So let me go ahead and just nothing is on me. But thank you. But at the same time, though, uh, bro, thank you for jumping on uh, once again. You have just, I mean, it's just been incredible. The information you give are, you know, are. Our clientele, and I'm at the same time, I'm a huge fan of yours. I really am because you are so far one way, but so far informed, so more informed than most of us. It makes your presence not mandatory, but beyond mandatory. So thank you for that. Right. And uh, by the way, I heard uh, your comments uh, a few days ago about Alec Baldwin calling. Uh, uh, two people from England, uh, quote, faggots. No, from two people from Chelsea, faggots. No, this yeah, is, well, no, wait, he was just trying gonna, to be cultural and this? use English slang because he was talking about their cigarettes. So, why don't you shove that where the sun don't shine, dude? Okay, let's run that back. You're taking up, for, 
Okay. So first of all, Alec Baldwin. You're, yes, you cultured Alec Baldwin. Ridiculous wo- woke about- hero of the left. Yes, you would never degrade any anyone so of calling his, any so sort calling of gender. So kid a fat cow and these two guys faggots from Chelsea. And you're fine with that. It's only because... I don't know, dude. He just doesn't like Chick-fil-A. I don't know. But that's why he called his daughter that. <laughs> All I'm saying is, dude, he, uh, the only reason why he said those words from those people from Chelsea, he was referring to the cigarettes, he was trying to be cultural, it's the English slang, so just, just for your knowledge, just want to let you know that. I guess I'm that uninformed. All right. I'm glad you can, uh, glad you can be honest with yourself, dude. Yeah, well, I can't ever not again. But thanks for jumping on, bro, exotic, idiot, asshole. How dare, how dare you? Come on, my show. Uh, don't, don't quote my queen, Greta Thunberg, like that. You don't like that, don't you? Yeah, like, don't don't, don't like take that. her quotes in vain, dude. Oh, you're right, I won't. Anyway, man, we'll see you next week. All right, dude. Uh, y'all can follow me on Instagram at broexotic, B-R-E-A-U-X, exotic, and no joke, stay woke, bro. Stay woke, chief. All right, dude. Cheers. Later. Tommy Benz jumping on the Sports Antelope, episode 77. What's going on there, pal? Not much, Chief. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for asking. I really hope you have some good analysis for us, because right now the world is going to shit. So can you kind of make sense of things? Because right now, I mean, it's the lowest hanging fruit for any truthful comedian or anyone like yourself who actually is objective on what's happening in the world today. So I was hoping you could once again break it down for us of how stupid our society is. It's, it is three quarters retard, um, to, to <laughs> use a phrase from The Hangover, uh, which was then ruined by two subsequent sequels. But uh, we've now heard of the Omicron variant. And if you notice, with each new variant is like, a different... Thomas, a different... sorry, see, not to be confused with each new variant, right. With each new variant, you have to say it differently because you don't want to confuse people. We had variant. And now we have the Omicron variant. And now lest we forget, now not to toot our own horn, but I'm gonna go ahead and play the brass band here. Uh, a couple months back, we had a, a, a doctor, a medical doctor, somebody who'd been in medical school, and he was very forthright. He was not an immunologist or a virologist, but he has experience in, in dealing with, you know, post-hospitalized COVID patients. So we <laughs> thought it'd be relevant to talk to him. So we had him on. And one of the questions I asked him, you can go back, and, and, and it was, uh, I, you know, in hindsight. You're talking about Dr. T? Dr. T, when Dr. T was on. I think he point. was incredibly objective. Uh, absolutely. He provided information. He answered the questions to the best of his ability. And he was honest when something fell outside of the scope of what he was comfortable answering, which, you know, if more medical professionals behave that way, for instance, Fauci today, you know, Peter Ducey did what, and we're getting off track, but Peter Ducey did what Peter Ducey does and hammered Fauci and said, so everybody coming in the country needs a test. Yes, everybody needs a test. What about those crossing the border illegally? That is a different situation. No, look, I mean, you know how easy that is to answer? I'm not even professional and I could do a better job. Here's the answer. Well, from a medical standpoint, yes, we would like them to get tested. But the logistics and mechanics of accomplishing that are left to other government agencies. And I will let them answer the details. But 
from a medical viewpoint, yes, you'd want to test them. See how easy that is? It's an honest assessment that yes, we should, if we're going to be consistent, <laughs> that's how you should. All right. So, so set that aside. Back this to our interview. That's a great Fauci, with, bro. That's a great Fauci. Yeah, I, it's 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 not as good. I, I've got some it's better pretty ones. pretty good. I'm laughing. You got me. So, <laughs> um, so when Dr. T was on, one of the questions I asked him, and, and in hindsight and in listening to it, I, I kind of meandered around. But essentially what I was asking is, is it possible we could see a mutation where the virus mutates in a way that that it's – I think I said undetectable, but I didn't really mean that. And what I what I should have said was, you know, where where the outcome and symptoms are are different and maybe not as severe. Okay, so the Omicron. So everybody keep that in the back of your mind and think and know that the sports antidote was there asking that question three four months ago. Omicron variant breaks out. Okay, you start seeing cases in South Africa. By the way, cases in South Africa are exploding right now they went from you know they were down in the low couple hundreds all i mean within you know as recently as november 17th they were at five six seven hundred even into the it wasn't until november 24th they crossed a thousand and now they're at eight thousand cases a day right oh my gosh the world is ending the omicron variant is going to be the end of us all except you know we're now almost a week and a half in to the Omicron variant making ripping its way through South Africa. So you go to the death numbers. Okay, they had one day where there was a spike. But if you do a seven-day moving average, the death numbers are still staying relatively low. They have not spiked. Now, again, as we have always said, anytime we start diving into some of the COVID specifics, what do I always say? I always say you got to give it another two weeks before you can declare it a trend. If, as soon as you notice something in the data and in the trend line and in the lines on the graphs, you got to say, okay, here's a hypothesis. Going to have to give it two weeks to see if it's shaking out that way or it's turning a different direction. Hold on, wait, Ben. This sounds like scientific method. It, it does. Like, I'm no, going to make I, a I, hypothesis. I, 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 I have to say, I have to reject what I learned in fifth grade about scientific methods regarding hypothesis and things of that nature. I, I don't think that facts matter anymore when it comes to right. the things that we've they been don't. doing for they 100 don't. years in science. I mean, I, it, I don't know. 100 hey, years know, of immunology right? thrown out the window. When all else fails, go to Johnson & Wales. When all, right. When all right. else fails. So, so the question is, over the next two to three weeks in South, South Africa, is, it seems where this variant has originated, will they see a decoupling? Because in past spikes, I mean, it is, it is mathematical. It is perfectly linked together. As cases go up, about two weeks later, deaths, deaths go up. When the cases peak, about two weeks later, the deaths peak. Are we going to see a decoupling? And then here's where, you, here's where the utter hypocrisy and the lying is going to continue. The reason COVID's a problem, we've been told, you know, we're now on 20 months of 15 days to slow the spread. The reason COVID was a problem is because the initial death rates that were being passed around in early 2020 three, four percent of people who caught it died. But that's a big deal. I mean, if that were true, if a hundred, if out of every 100 human beings who caught this, three to four of them died, that's, that's a problem, okay? Now, what it turns out is one, that was based on like a first round of data that was, first of all, the Chinese, who, you know, who, who knows if you can trust them. Um, it didn't stratify it by age and other comorbidities and risk factors. and So essentially when you get down to it is if you're a healthy 35 year old, 
you know, you're not obese. You don't drink your, you, you drink in moderation and you're not a, a smoker and you don't have CO, you know, asthma or COPD or something like that, you know, a comorbidity, your, your chances of dying are extreme are on the level of the flu, probably a little bit greater, probably a little bit greater. All right. But it's, it's in that realm of discussion. Uh, and certainly if you're a child, if you're a healthy nine-year-old child, it is in some, in some ways that the flu could be worse depending on, depending on certain factors. Okay. So what, what if this new variant, what if it is more transmissible? What if it starts displacing a da, da, da variant and it becomes the dominant <laughs> variant throughout the world, but it's significantly less deadly. Like what, what if, I mean, what, if, what if, what if it's less deadly than the flu? What, I mean, that just turns everything up. And then at that point, you should say, gee, I hope everybody gets the Omicron variant. Right. Gets, you would think gets that. that. And they're more saying robust. right now it's like more transmissible, but they're saying it's not nearly as deadly. But you almost feel like they're saying that. with Well, and, dis- and, and, uh, don't you feel like kind of it? I'm sorry to interrupt you with a little like disdain. Like they are. They oh, are because boy, they realize if that's true, many people, fuck. if that's true, it totally undermines the kind of things that they want to do. And what's interesting is the doctor in South Africa who you got to give her credit for discovering it from the standpoint of she noticed that these patients that were testing positive were exhibiting different symptoms. They weren't seeing, you know, the gastrointestinal issues, the loss of taste, loss of smell, some of the more common symptoms that were associated with COVID. It was just extreme fatigue for a day or two. And then they felt, and sometimes with a cough and they felt better and they were all testing positive for COVID. So then they thought, all right, well, let's sequence this bad boy. And they noticed 50 mutation. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same reason why we don't have nuclear power plants everywhere because nuclear waste, well, you could take that nuclear waste into a plutonium reactor and then it breaks down into two things that are um, relatively harmless. But the idea of building a plutonium reactor, you just, people have been hardwired to believe that plutonium is bad. We have been hardwired to believe that mutation, the more mutations, the worse it is. Well, actually, actually, as some people like to say, what we've learned in 100 years of immunology and virology is viruses tend, and again, well, got I'll, I'll come back, I'll circle back in the words of Jen Psaki on that point. But viruses circle back, tend, bro? I will, man. I'll circle we, back. Sick. Viruses tend over time to become less lethal it's not that viruses are sentient, but it, if they were, it, they'd be thinking, well, if I kill my host too quickly, I can't spread. Plus, viruses are, are continuously making copies of themselves. So the chance to add in errors in those copies is greatly increased. Now, sometimes those errors lead to mutations that make it more dangerous. Most often, it makes it less dangerous. Now, the, the circle back, here's the circle back moment. If the eggheads and white lab coats, the so-called oracles at Delphi, who, are, who sit on their throne on high and tell us how the rest of us uh, plebeians should, leave, should uh, live, if they were honest with us from the start and said, you know, this thing was cooked up in a lab and it escaped, so we need to, we need to act differently. We can't rely on 100 years of immunology and virology research and knowledge. We, we, we've got to just take it at... at as if we're starting at zero. If they would have done that, I think, I, I think a lot of people would have gone, oh, okay, all right, makes sense. Cooked up in a lab. This thing, this thing is not really found in nature, so we can't rely on the information that we've gathered for the last 100 years of observing naturally occurring viruses. But they didn't do that. 
they stuck with the narrative that oh wet market and frozen fish and all whatever nonsense they come up with instead of the most reasonable explanation so again all right to tie this all together what am i saying we won't know much for another two to three weeks and and you know whether unfortunate or fortunate for south africa they will be the leading indicator um if their caseloads start rocketing up 20 30 40 thousand and their death numbers stay relatively static huge win for team humanity um now if their death numbers start climbing uh, again the, the the problem is even if it's if it's more transmissible but has the same lethality that's still a problem because you know the, the most cases south africa ever saw they had a couple days in in over the summer where they hit 20 30,000 cases there's no way this thing's killing people i would bet if i could bet this right now it would be more than our game by the way our game of the century uh western kentucky versus utsa friday night but bench i'm telling you there's no way that's going to happen. We, uh, we I, and you know, and you know that's not going to happen. I don't think you, it is. We all I, know that's not going to happen. I don't think. And also, but yet the funny part is we're talking about if it does happen and the consequences because we have to, even though knowing it's not going to. Oh God, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna stop. You know. Yeah, we might get canceled. They, they might pull us off. So again, give it two to three weeks. I'm not saying we know for sure, but if I had to place my money, I do think we're going to see a decoupling from death rates as it relates to total caseloads um, in, in countries with the Omicron variant. Um, so can you talk about the, can you do the other variant real quick? I thought the Delta variant. It's almost like you're picking out two syllables. Right. Yeah. How do you, yeah, you have to. One more time. One more time. I thought Delta variant. So, all right. Let's let, let's close close the uh, the COVID chapter and let's hit these next two topics pretty quickly. And actually, yeah, I'm we got an audible on the third. We got to roll. We got to roll. So, 2022, <laughs> right? We're we're looking forward to 2022. Again, I caution any Republicans, conservatives. You know, it, it's we got to play like we're down by ten with five minutes to go in the fourth. In other words, it's winnable. It's doable. Momentum, let's say down by 10, five minutes to go, and momentum is on your side, right? So, okay. Because they're going to play like they're down. And even though we're probably up by like 7 to 14, we got to play like we're down, right? So that's item one. But here's one of the things that needs to be kept in mind. One of the reasons 2010 was so beneficial to Republicans was not only the fact that, you know, we flipped, I believe it was 63 seats in the House and made some significant gains in the Senate. And we're able to really blunt large aspects of the Obama agenda. But over a thousand state level, so non-federal, so not Congress, not Senate, state and lower level um, seats were flipped from Democrat to Republican. So just wiping out the gains in 2008 and even reversing some that had been made previously. And, and one of the effects that had, and I remember reading some articles in like 2016, 2017 timeframe, that we're making the point that the, the Democrat bench really got wiped out. You know, that next generation of people you're looking to fill in, you know, whether it's mid-level bureaucrats at the federal level or elected officials working their way up really got cleaned out. And I think in some ways that opened the door for some of these progressive lunatics to work their way in because there wasn't that stable of, you know, moderate Democrats, more mainstream Democrats, because a lot of them got wiped out and maybe decided to walk away from it. That could be a huge benefit in 2022. I mean, if we clean house and, and, and the interesting thing is now Republicans are engaged down to like the school board level. 
So Republicans might not only take the House and, and flip the Senate, but you, you might hear stories of, you know, school boards throughout the country totally flipping. And, it, and I mean, if you start knocking them out at lower levels and start displacing Democrats at, at the lowest levels of government, it, it'll be historic, the effect it's going to have. So that's something to pay attention to. Again, you know, it all gets lost in the shuffle because the only thing all the news networks will talk about next November, whether it's third or fourth, I forget what the Tuesday, the date of the Tuesday is, whatever that day is, all they're going to talk about is the, the Senate and the House. But, you know, in the weeks afterward, make sure to do some additional reading on local races in your local area and see what kind I of effect they're having. Local, local races are huge and they're most like they're not as big as people think, but like winning these local state you know, like, like state Congress, state Senate, and like, yep. you know, like you state said, house, state board. legislatures, That's what yep. I mean. I mean, house of delegates. Like that. Yeah. This is massive because this is what happens. This is usually how it lays out on the, uh, the grassroots level, which right. we saw in 2010, which you talk about a lot. Right. But, and, I mean, and even county and parish think, level. So, right. But I mean, you know, look, the county parish level is huge, but if you thought it was big in 2010 and, and, for just an objective, just guess if you had to be, because you know, obviously, I'm not objective. I'm ridiculous, but don't you feel like what happened in 2010 might get dwarfed by like threefold if they keep the same momentum of insanity yes. that they have right now? I feel like it could if be like they like keep every, it up. Like I'm talking state, local, like everything just flips. Yes. But that's predicated on if they keep it up and if Republicans recruit good candidates. You know, I'm I'm worried about the PA Senate seat. You know, Dr. Oz is now probably going to be the leading Republican candidate. I don't He's know not how gonna that's going to work. He won't win. Well, I think he could win the primary. You know, um, so I don't know if he wins a general. Uh, not really sure who if the Republicans are going to call. Dr. Oz or, is running as a Republican, correct? He is. Yes, he's running as a Republican in Pennsylvania. Pretty not sure. Yeah, not not sure who is going to win the Republican nomination for governor of Pennsylvania. Same thing with now Michigan. The guy Craig looks in the lead, and um, full disclosure, I donated a small sum of money to him when he first declared. I think he'd those be a are both, so Governor Wolf and the crazy bitch in Michigan are turned out, right? Like they can't. Run. No, Wolf is turned out. She is not. She is running for reelection. Oh, but he's up Whitmer? in the polls. Whitmer yeah. is running Whitmer. for reelection. Stormtrooper. Um, Whitmer is. Yeah. So, wow. all right. Well, I, I want to shift gears because, you know, some things are happening. Supreme Court right here in that case out of Mississippi uh, about abortion, you know, ban on abortion after 15 weeks. OK. What do I think is going to happen? I don't think they're going to reverse Roe versus Wade. I was reading a couple of articles and some analysis there. There actually is this thing that could happen called a plurality opinion where it goes like three, three, three. Um, in terms of, you know, three of the justices want to do this, three of them kind of come down in the middle, and three, of course, want to be Looney Tunes. But here's, here's the thing. I, I could see this case out of Mississippi being the inverse of gay marriage for conservatives. Now, what do I mean by that? Look, a lot of people on the conservative side made the point, look, once, once you change the definition of marriage, you're opening a can of worms. Now, we're starting to see some of that. In other words, you know, all this nonsense about, you know, transgender and, and kids, you know, pushing all kinds of things in a kid's curriculum. I mean, every kid's show my kids watch, nearly every one that they want to watch, there's got to be a gay set of parents. Um, 
it just so okay there has been some effect but but and here's here's where i'm going to say something that some social conservatives aren't going to like the overall net effect of the obergerfeld i'm sure i mispronounced that decision which essentially said oh anybody can marry anybody it has not had a huge (laughs) net negative effect on society like society did not crumble a lot of the negative things that some people said would happen haven't happened now there are there have been some things that I think are approximate result of that, but it, Western civilization is not yet crumbled. And, and if it does crumble, it's not going to be as a result of the Obergefell decision. I think right now Democrats are playing the same card with this saying, if this, if they undo Roe versus Wade, or if they allow this to stand, you're going to take women's rights back 50 years and yada, they're going to make all these predictions and, and, and it's not going to go the way Democrats want. I don't think I don't think it'll go all the way to undoing Roe versus Wade, but it's going to set a new precedent that will be more in a pro-life direction. And then 10 years from now, people are going to have to look back and they're really going to have to stretch to say how much this endangered women's health. Um, because essentially what again, people forget if tomorrow Roe versus Wade gets overturned um, and we won't get the decision of this case in t- until a few months from now. But if that case were, if Roe versus Wade were overturned, that does not mean abortion is outlawed everywhere. It just means every state makes their own law. So you know what would happen right away. California, Washington, Oregon, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, um, New Jersey, maybe Virginia. Uh, it depends how strong Glenn Young can yeah, stand. Yeah, the woke is they, Right. The woke states, they would immediately pass, you can have an abortion whenever you want. And then the deep red states would pass you know, varying degrees of restriction on abortion. Some would outright outlaw and others would just pass, you know, fetal heartbeat bans and things like that. So again, I I can almost see the Democrats overplaying the hysteria as they usually do, but specifically on that, they're going to make, they are going to make the kind of claims that 10 years from now, you'll be able to look back and say, nothing you said came true. And then similar to the gay marriage thing where it's really not even talked about anymore. You don't even, I mean, even the most ardent supporters of the traditional definition of marriage aren't making the case that there's a groundswell of support to pass a constitutional amendment. I think everybody kind of accepted, look, unfortunately, we lost that fight. Now, I I think there are other social issues to draw a hard line on. I think the same thing will happen with, with this is a lot of people who are yelling and screaming about it 10 years from now, we'll have to look back and go, okay, some of the crazy predictions I had didn't come true. I can accept the status quo ante that'll exist 10 years from now. Interestingly, there have been some people, even people on the left and people who support abortion, who think that 50 to a hundred years from now, abortion will fall into the category of slavery and bigotry and mistreating gay people. In other words, it'll be one of those things that a hundred years from now, they'll look back and they won't, they, they won't even be able to believe that it was an accepted practice at the time. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of when that decision is rendered. Of course, the reaction. You know, there are some people making some pretty bold statements about revolution and all that. I don't think we'll see the same kind of rioting. You'll see opportunistic looting because that's now we've just decided as society that's the thing that we do. Um, so... Keep an eye on that. It'll be very interesting to see the outcome of that case. Opportunistic looting. Big fan. Yep. 
I just I just need to find out if we're going to Crate and Barrel or William and Sonoma first. I've never never just done let that. Let me know when we're going to San Francisco next, so I can go smash. There's, I mean, why pay for Christmas gifts when I can just go ahead and do that? You know what I'm saying? Just That's right. Mash. I mean, Ann Taylor Loft. My wife loves that stuff. Right. Little White House Black Market. I mean, yeah, man. Just smash. Just take that. Just take. It, you know what I'm saying? Let's anyway, do it. uh. Tommy Bench, got a roll, man. Run a little long here. Anything more close with? You good? No, I'm good. Out here. All right. Well, I just want to give you a public service announcement. Western Kentucky is the sports antelope play of the decade, not the year, the decade. All right. One of those directional schools, as Nick Saban called it. Wow, you're so excited. No, I said directional Michigans in the early 2000s before Nick Saban did, but that's fine. Thank you. So did my no, mother, because you know, Navy really used to play all the directional schools. You don't even care. You don't even care. So I'll me. be sure to tune in and listen tomorrow. Then there we go. Be sure and do that then. All right. Oh, God. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope episode number 77. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Rate, subscribe, and review. Get on Western Kentucky, bitches. I'm telling you. Be sure and tune in next week. We got all kinds. We got NFL, college playoffs. got college basketball. We got woke politicians. You name it. We got it. It's the Sports Antelope, baby. Keep it real, Anadotians. Spoken. My language is broken into a slang.